0: Special episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, and joining me, author of Kings of the North, a tremendous history book about the Minnesota Vikings. Chad Israelson, second time on the show. But I thought, Chad, that you would be the perfect guest to talk about the passing of Bud Grant. And of course, having covered the team myself since 2016, I am very familiar with Mr. Grant and his legacy, but I've spent a lot of the day going back through NFL films and through your book and through the great history of Bud Grant. And uh, it's a very sad day for everyone in the entire state of Minnesota. But I have to say, 95 years old and left a legacy as the greatest coach in history, as an all-time great CFL coach, an all-time great CFL player. And I just learned today he was the oldest living NBA champion. Um, just just an incredible life and legacy of, of Bud Grant.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a remarkable individual. Um, and uh, like you said, it's a sad day in Minnesota. I mean, he he is the Vikings. You know if you were to distill it down to to one individual uh he would be the guy so um and on top of that if i remember correctly i believe he also won 12 letters at the university of minnesota so uh just you know tremendous athlete things that will never be done again
0: Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, I don't know if anybody will be drafted in the NBA and the NFL ever again and uh, play in both of them. And then it was actually a contract dispute that sent him to the CFL where he put together that legacy. And I was just learning today that when he was 29 years old, they asked him to coach the Winnipeg Bombers because of his leadership on the field, that everybody knew he would be great. Uh, if he coached the team and then they had a ton of success and there's even a statue in Winnipeg representing him as a coach. So even beyond what he did for the for the Vikings, he's got that legacy in Canada as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, my family and I went to a Blue Bombers game last summer. We took a vacation in Winnipeg and I mean, I obviously I knew that he uh, had coached there, but I had no idea there was a statue to him outside the stadium. So, you know, I was very cool seeing that. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, this guy, uh, you know, as I said, you know, without a doubt, he's the greatest Minnesota Viking, you know, whether he played or not. But, you know, he would be on the short list of greatest Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, if he's not number one, I mean, I, I can't speak to their history as well as I can the, the Vikings. But, you know, he, he's on that short list there as well. So, again, I mean, like, wherever he went, he had an incredible impact. Uh, you know, won championships in Winnipeg. Uh, took obviously the vikings to four super Bowls uh just tremendous success uh in what he did wherever he did you know in whatever it was in i mean profession as you mentioned he's a professional basketball player um so yeah i mean you just you look at a guy like bud granton you know he should have been writing books like you know how to succeed uh you know rather than you uh, I mean, but but that was also Bud Grant, right? He didn't want to do that. He wanted to be out hunting uh, or spending time with his family. So, you know, good for him.
0: Yeah, I was always amazed at the humility of Bud Grant as well, because like you said, I mean, there are very few people, not just in football, but in the state of Minnesota. It's almost like comparable to Prince in a way, where it's like Prince and Bud Grant are the two people you never speak ill of in the state of Minnesota. And yet he always talked about the most important thing to him was his family. And I wonder if you could speak to this as well, that he was not known as the coach who stayed at the facility (laughs) at all hours. He was known as get our work done and go home and spend time with my family. And he was known for practices that weren't that long. Uh, And yet the man exuded so much toughness and his teams exuded so much toughness. And I think that there's, there's just maybe should have been more coaches that learn from Bud Grant. About his mentality toward handling players, because I think he was way, way ahead of his time as far as the understanding of the players needing to have a life beyond football and understanding that you could only push them so far and how to criticize players, how to get them to respect you. All of his philosophies on that are basically the same ones that like Kevin O'Connell is trying to use now
1: yeah yeah i mean that's a great analogy uh you know i mean o'connell has that sort of laid-back approach although i'm sure he spends a heck of a lot more time uh at the office but uh you're exactly right uh you know i was watching i've uh, got a little library of nfl films vikings things so i was watching the the 83 season recap which is really they they do this 83 season in about 15 seconds and then it's all about grant you know because that was the first time that he retired and uh, they talked about exactly that, where, you know, he didn't stay in the, uh, you know, sleep at the office like a dick for meal or whatever. And, you know, you, you look at it and say, well, you know, would they have won a Super Bowl had he done it? No. Uh, you know, I mean, that, they, weren't, they didn't lose those games due to, you know, lack of preparation. You know, it, they, they wouldn't have gone to six Super Bowls or anything like that. You know, I mean, he got the most out of that team. You know, and it wouldn't have mattered how many more hours. The guys respected him, and that's one thing that you see over and over again when any of those old players talk about him. Um, you know, he he essentially had two rules. Uh, do what we tell you, and don't do anything to embarrass the team. You know, and Fran Tarkington said, you know, if you couldn't play for Bud Grant, you couldn't play for anybody. Uh, you know, I mean, he just... He was that guy and he wasn't the, the human iceberg uh, that he was made out to be. Of course, you know, national media likes something easy uh, and, you know, they just want a, a cliche to hang their hat, you know, hat on or whatever. And, um, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, he used to pull pranks where he would uh, leave fish in uh, a guy's car. He would hide a fish in a, you know, a player's car. Uh, And, of course, you can imagine, uh, you know, how bad that would smell after a while. So, um, you know, practical joker, warm human being, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I remember as a kid, routinely, the Vikings were the last team to report to training camp. Uh, You know, Bud, uh, you know, didn't think that, you know, two extra weeks was very valuable. And, in fact, um, you know, probably wore a guy down because what Grant also knew was, You know, availability and durability were a player's greatest ability, uh, he used to say. And so, you know, you know, why grind them down in uh, training camp? And that was a time where, you know, there were six preseason games uh, on top of training camp and two a days and all of that stuff. So, no, he got it. I mean, he clearly got it. He, you know, he knew it was a job. Um, and, uh, he treated his players like adults. They appreciated that and they obviously responded to it. Um, you know, there was a time where Bud Grant was the second winningest professional coach. If you added in Canada and Minnesota, uh, he was only behind George Hallis, uh, when, when he retired. So, um, yeah, I mean, his his record speaks for itself, and I, I live on the border uh, of Minnesota and Wisconsin, and uh, I've lived in Wisconsin, for better or for worse, for chunks of my life, and uh, I will say this, uh, I know a lot of Packer fans, and all of them, like Bud Grant.
0: And they, yeah, and I think that goes for the entire NFL. And also, we won't mention that Bud actually was born in Wisconsin. That's right. Um, yeah, the, the only, yeah, the only blemish on the man's uh, yeah. on resume. But yeah. uh, no, but seriously, I, I mean, it it was. I think that it was influential to him that he was such a great athlete himself to understand how athletes wanted to be talked to. And the other thing that was interesting to me is just that. He was for a stoic man and a quiet man, a great communicator who took lessons from other people. He talked about in one of those NFL film pieces, how he had spoken to the Gophers head basketball coach, and they had discussed philosophy of criticizing players. And he said that he made a point to not criticize players in front of everyone and also try to say something positive first to them before criticizing, which again is is things that a lot of the more modern coaches have sort of studied and thought through. And there's been books written about leadership and everything else. But Bud knew these things intuitively, and I think that they did play into his success. And I, I would love to hear you talk about Just as having researched this team and and where Bud was when they first started coming from the CFL to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, this was the NFL in transition to becoming the NFL that we know now when he took over. And then he was just at the forefront of them becoming a dominant franchise over that time
1: yeah yeah so you know you break the vikings history up into chapters chapter one is norm van brocklin you know that 1961 and 1966 they had one winning season uh 1964 eight, five and one so you know they they were by no means anything special and uh van brocklin kind of the opposite of bud grant fiery um you know he and Tarkington couldn't get along, uh, certainly didn't have the opinion of you you know you don't criticize first. Um, you know, I would probably be fortunate if Van Brocklin uh, you know had anything nice to say uh, to you at all. I remember uh, talking to a guy that was in Vikings training camp um, in the mid 60s. I think he was like the 17th round pick in 1965 and he said, ah, the guys hated Van Brocklin, which I don't mean to you know, besmirch norm van Brocklin at this point or anything like that but just to contrast that with bud grant so um you know he comes down from the uh the cfl and keep in mind uh bud grant was actually their initial first choice as head coach in 1961 um but i i always kind of figure he was smart because you know he didn't necessarily want the uh expansion team take your lumps you know not have a winning record get fired you know which you know happened to van Brocklin, but yeah okay some of it was on him as well so he comes in 67 and there's a story about one of the vikings uh you know front office people has to pick him up at the airport and this is of course pre-internet so he says, well how will i know and the answer was oh, "It's the guy that looks like a u.s marshal uh you know so just just get him uh and apparently found him pretty easily uh and uh so you know first season uh 3 8 and 3 so you know not a smashing su- success as you uh, obviously ascertained by the uh record but then um 8 and 6 in the playoffs his second year 12 and 2 super bowl third year and of course we know uh it just went from there so you know he started off um instilling discipline which the early viking squad lacked Uh, and uh, one of the things that he did before, you know, even some of the finer points of of playing was having him line up for the national anthem. You know, if you see the old NFL films, they're all perfectly in a row. Helmet is under the right arm, facing forward, you know, and his basic philosophy was if you didn't have the discipline to do that, well, then you didn't have the discipline when the game was on the line. And, you know, again, that is something that the Vikings... Just excelled at. I mean, making the big play uh, at the end of the game and just go through and see how many one score games. I mean, if I would have had time today, I suppose I could have, you know, went and added it up. But, um, you know, that his philosophy was, you know, just don't make mistakes, play the game and make let the other team make those mistakes. uh, And then you turn it in their favor. So, you know, whether it was a blocked extra point and You know, I mean, how often do you get those? But, boy, they pulled them out, uh, you know, numerous times. So, um, yeah, that whole philosophy of Grant just was pervasive through the franchise. And, uh, you know, the players appreciating playing for him, then they're going to do what he wants. Uh, And even though they chided him that first time by singing the Mickey Mouse song, you know, because they thought this lining up for the national anthem was kind of Mickey Mouse, uh, hey, you know, I mean, they, they fell in line and they did it. Uh, And, um, you know, they went out and what, gosh, eight, 10 uh, division championships. So, um, you know, I'll try to do it quick in my head at some point, but it was, you know, it was right around there. So I
0: I loved uh, just going back through some NFL film stuff and listening to him talk about evaluating players and picking the players and which guys that he most liked. And he talked about how, He never had them run a 40 or a 60 yard dash because he could tell if they were fast enough to play, but he would always evaluate by their toughness and what he saw in them, which, you know, at this point in the NFL, um, toughness is still very, very necessary to make the NFL back in the day, though, it was a, a little bit of a different world, a very different world when it came to the toughness. And you see that the mud bowl, which you wrote about in your book, and all the different weather that they were playing through. And Scott Studwell told me, I think it was maybe two years ago uh, when he released his book about all the players kind of had this rumor within themselves that Bud had hand warmers in his jacket, but nobody else was allowed. And so they would, uh, they like, nobody wanted to say, Hey, Bud, like, don't you have hand warmers in your jacket? Uh, And that they took the heaters off of their sideline as kind of an intimidation thing. So the players, when they'd run off the field, would try to run by the other (laughs) sideline to get a little heat on them as they went by. But stuff like that is just so like kind of insane, of course, but also so like classic NFL. And I I love that. He has this part of his legacy as being so much of a part of all those great NFL films and, and having his team be thought of as the most intimidating, the toughest, the most disciplined. I mean, they kind of took on his personality.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in
0: conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and
1: entertainment. You know, I'll start with Jim Marshall playing uh, 282 games, Mick Tinglehoff 240, you know, I mean, these are uh, among the most, I mean, Favre broke Jim Marshall's record, but, it, you know, it's far uh, Marshall, Tinglehoff, for most consecutive games played, not by a punter or kicker, so, um, you know, but you know so there's that element to it uh and um you know like i talked about before the durability availability but you know you you mentioned the mud bowl and you know and that was classic grant like he knew that this field was going to turn to slop so i I actually have watched the entire mud bowl on youtube and they were throwing the ball to start the game because he knew it's going to be impossible uh soon enough and so they got quick scores in that game, got up 14 nothing and held on to a 14-7 win against a Rams team that really should have beaten them. You know, at that point, the Rams were, were a more talented, younger team. Um, you know, and the cold, oh, I mean, if you live in Minnesota, you love that. I mean, that's, you know, we, U.S. Bank is beautiful, whatever. We all want to be able to take the roof off uh, in December. You know, I mean, it's, it, that's, in our heritage um and i just think about those uh, the, those two games the monday night game against the bears when we were playing in tcf and then the playoff game against the seahawks at tcf where bud is in a, a polo uh, you know he's he's on the sidelines no coat and it is ridiculously cold out uh and you know that bears game that monday night game they, they the former players carry him off the field uh and uh you know i mean if you if you've got a an octogenarian in a polo shirt as a player you you know you can't you know not give it your best out there and complain about the cold at that point so um yeah that was always really cool and you know he He always told that story about the people working on the Alaska pipeline and just simply, well, they knew it was going to be cold. There's nothing you can do. You're going to be cold. Uh, You can't beat it, but the cold isn't going to hurt you. Uh, You're not going to get a cold from it. You know, that comes from germs. So just go out and concentrate on football. And, you know, he didn't want the players running back to the sidelines thinking, oh, I can get warm there. You know, it's just as miserable on the sidelines as it is on the field. So I might as well play well and you know, <laughs> win the game uh, as a result of it. You we know, we'll warm up afterwards. We'll be cold no matter what. Let's just win. So yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, those those the Rams coming to Minnesota. Nothing was better than that. And just knowing, oh, we had them. You know, and Jim Marshall always tells that story where they were standing on the sidelines. Odin, Odin, you know, and what manner of men are these, uh, is, you know, what, (laughs) what Jim Marshall said about that. So again, from Bud Grant, I mean, that, that mystique didn't exist prior to him coming. Of course, it helps when you win, uh, you know, that ups the factor, but it was never like, oh, Minnesota, December game, 1964, they can't be beat, you know, no. So, um, yeah, it, uh, uh, Bud Grant is, is the Vikings. I mean, there's not even a, a Mount Rushmore in this case. You know, it's one solitary uh, individual.
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, the relationships and lifelong relationships that he had uh, with all of those players. I was watching a video. I mean, you could tell I went down the rabbit hole today, but just of him talking about Jim Marshall and how he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame without Jim Marshall, who absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think everybody knows that. Don't get um, me started on that one. <laughs> Well, uh, it strengthens the case, by the way, not to get sidetracked, but that pro football reference actually used old film to go through and calculate the number of sacks. And of course, Jim Marshall is up among the all-time leaders and kind of proving and strengthening his case that seems to be a bit forgotten, but uh, not forgotten so much by him. And Carl Eller put out a beautiful statement, Tommy Kramer, all those guys. And you talked about how well Tarkinson talked of him. Um, but I was also watching an interview with you know Joe Cap. I don't know how, how you feel. I'd love your opinion, but about uh, his best coaching job that he ever did. And I feel like the Joe cap season is one that stands way out Um, just because Joe cap didn't have any success any other time. And it was such a great and and successful team that they put together. And also Joe cap kind of, even though like Bud Grant was so hard in, in his approach but also he had a big personality Tarkenton ran around with the ball and had a personality like those guys were kind of allowed to do that, but I don't know what you think his best coaching job is. I would probably look at the Joe cap season.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, 69 would, would definitely be one of the first ones that comes to my mind. Um, you know, I might look at some of those sort of tail end years, uh, of the great teams, you know, where they, uh, 1977, for instance, they finished nine and five, but made it to the NFC Championship game after upsetting the uh, the Rams in the Mud Bowl. Um, you know, because that was a team that had aged out pretty significantly. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it almost seemed like smoke and mirrors, uh, you know, to get them into the playoffs and then win uh, in the playoffs as well. So, yeah, I, you know. When you talk about the '69 team and Joe Cap, I mean, you know, they used to say not much more on the ball, but the commissioner's signature. You know, I mean, it just, boy, <laughs> I mean, I don't have that kind of toughness, but uh, my arm uh, is wouldn't have been too much worse than Joe Cap's. It seems like at that point, you know. Um, but uh, no, I mean, he was a leader. You know, I mean that no doubt about that. I and mean, Joe Cap was. Uh, uh, a guy that uh, people rallied around on that team. Um, and I think that was kind of, you know, what you were getting at, too, is that part of the key to Bud's success is he just let them be who they were. Uh, you know, Joe Cap didn't have to throw the prettiest spiral. But, you know, he's going to knock out that Browns running back in the NFL championship game. You know, knock him out cold. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to do the, the bootleg uh, to score the touchdown against the Rams or, you know, whatever it took um you know to win the game uh you know i always remember hearing stories about uh like the guys would race from mankato when training camp broke you know go up 169 um you know which again a a per you know person with a, a a little bit more you know control freak in him might have you know disallowed that sort of thing but uh yeah i think uh i think the vikings had a lot of colorful characters and you know, one of the NFL films things that I saw today was an um, interview with Jim Klobuchar. And he was saying that Chuck Foreman did a kind of a poll on the bus one time, uh, you know, on the way uh, out of a game from Detroit. And, um, you know, like if you were in the jungle or, you know, life and death situation, who would you want? Grant, <laughs> you know, Bud Grant was the guy that uh, the players chose. So, um yeah, I think uh, you know, from from again, top to bottom, uh, that team fit his mold. Uh, you know, didn't didn't have a you know a tremendous amount of you know like flash on the field. You know, and they weren't a super flashy team, but they were dependable. They got the job done, and um, they had personality
0: uh i i wonder what you think about when you think of the end of his career because it was kind of strange right he wanted to retire and the whole thing and then les Steckel was one of the biggest disasters in nfl history (laughs) and and then and then bud came back to coach for that one more year i i mean i don't i don't know what you know about that because i don't know a whole lot about that year that he came back but i kind of imagine it being like I can't let this, I can't let this go as a complete disaster. So I have to come back and coach it for one more year to just get it uh, on the right track with Jerry Burns, which is also a part of Bud's legacy as well, that he had Pete Carroll on his staff and Pete Carroll had done articles about this and tweeted about it today that he was one of the people that their energy matched up and you can see the Bud influence in Pete Carroll he doesn't have the hugest tree because it didn't work the way that it does now. I think coaches stayed a lot more with their teams. Um, But I think it is part of it that Jerry Burns took a lot of his same type of philosophies and ran with them. So I I wonder what you think of sort of the end and then his legacy after he retired.
1: Yeah. And I throw in Buddy Ryan, he was a Vikings coach. Um, So, uh, but uh, yeah, so I was 13 when Bud retired the first time and you know, that was like end of the world. Right. I mean, you know, just like, death in the family kind of thing to my friends and i because we were fanatics uh at that age and um so obviously 84 total disaster we don't we don't need to get into that right more bud less Steckle, um and then uh that return one of the great stories of that for me is well a it was just so exciting it's like oh thank you know thank god he's back and he's gonna save us from, you know, this debacle. But they played the defending Super Bowl champion 49ers in the first week of the season and beat them. Uh, You know, had no business beating that team. I mean, we all know the 80s 49ers are one of the greatest football teams in NFL history. Um, 28-21, it was in the Metrodome. Rufus Best just went nuts. Uh, I have the stat line in my book of what he did that day. Uh, but it's it's crazy uh, with fumble recoveries and forced fumbles, interception. I mean, he was just a machine. Um, and, uh, you know, you just thought, wow, you know, the, we're going to the Super Bowl now. Of course, they didn't have the talent level to quite get that. But, you know, Bud, I mean, you know, he loved the Vikings enough, you know, whether he wanted to go out and hunt. He knew it couldn't be like this. You know, I mean, they're just he had to write the ship, you know, the Viking ship. Right. And and everyone realized, yeah, we should have hired Bernsey in the first place and, you know, gone on from there. So, um, I, yeah, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful for for that year because it also then helped to set up one of the most exciting periods, you know, in my lo- viewing Ship of the Vikings. Keep in mind, I was born in 1970. I only re- actually remember watching one of the Super Bowls. Um, but that late 80s Vikings, Millard and Dolman, Henry Thomas, Browner, Studwell, uh, just filled with talent and dominant defense. And uh, man, they were so close for the Super Bowl in 87. Um, but you know, I mean, that I don't think that would have happened uh, without Bud's return. Uh, you know, Because I think, and I vaguely remember that, you know, Bud came back with the understanding that Burns uh, would come back because Burns would not have stuck around uh, as offensive coordinator for another coach. Um, And, you know, since we're talking about it, there is a guy who's also underappreciated in NFL history. Uh, You know, the West Coast offense, whatever. I mean, Chuck Foreman was leading... The league and pass receptions in the mid 1970s. You know, that was a rarity. He had, I think, 73 catches in 1975. So Burns was very innovative and he'd been on the staff, he'd been on Lombardi's staff uh, prior to coming with Grant. So the guy had been in like five, six Super Bowls uh, in his career. So um, again, you know, that was Bud, you know, recognizing talent uh, and Burns was it. So yeah, that, that, comeback year of of buds was so exciting i mean that was just something from heaven for a vikings fan
0: (laughs) yeah and then just a couple years later like you said playing in the nfc championship game and we won't rip open old wounds but i think that's the one that if they had made the super bowl they probably would have won of all of them or you could say i'm pretty certain that that would have been the case just considering what washington did in that super bowl and with Doug Williams. So, anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: the, I've the, ended the last sentences without well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, right.
0: We won't get into it. But, you know, I will say that uh, in that same NFL films interview, and I tweeted this out, people can go back and find it or just search Bud Grant NFL films into YouTube. But uh, he was talking about losing the Super Bowls and how it didn't really keep him up at night. I mean, he said he kind of made a joke about, you know, if you think too much about your regrets, you'll have gray hair, which he had gray hair like his whole life. Um, But, you know, I thought that that was interesting that he basically thought I uh, kind of did the best that I could and got him to four Super Bowls and, and don't have regrets and kind of saw his family as something he wanted to spend time with. But he always had such an unbelievable passion for the Vikings. One thing that I put in my article, kind of writing up about him, is that he late in his life had a cart that he would go around in. And he always had, and I'd see him at games and sometimes at training camp. He always had a Vikings hat on and the cart was purple. Like everything about him was Vikings. And one of the cool stories that Kevin O'Connell told uh, the other night when their PR man, Bob Hagen announced his retirement and had a retirement party, Kevin O'Connell spoke a little bit and talked about how he had lunch every week this year with Bud Grant, that Bud had an office in TCO Performance Center in Winter Park before that. And he would have lunch with the coaches and get together with them. And what an incredible experience for Kevin O'Connell. And I just think that Bud stayed in town. He did not go live in Florida or Arizona. He loved the cold. He loved the outdoors here and just kept such a close connection to this organization. And, you know, you would expect from somebody who coached them for a long time, but it was really in his blood, the Vikings organization. I thought that was just such a cool story that 95-year-old Bud Grant came to the facility each week to sit down with the head coach and still talk ball. And he still did great interviews, even until he was 95 years old, that he was going on radio and everything else. But I can't imagine what a cool experience that must've been for Kevin O'Connell.
1: Oh, you know, just uh, the the knowledge uh, that you could glean from, you know, probably just osmosis, you know, I mean, Bud wouldn't even had to say much. Uh, So yeah, I mean, you know, what a, what a towering figure in the world of coaching. Uh, just success, again, Winnipeg, Minnesota. Um, yeah, that's very cool. I mean, I, I would love to hear, I hope I hear in the coming days a little bit more uh, of what O'Connell, O'Connell has to say about uh, his time with Bud. I remember um, as a teenager, uh, my mom lived in Woodbury and uh, she took would take me over to Winter Park uh, from time to time. And that was in the day you could just walk in. you just walk in the front door, get met by the secretary, and she'd say, oh, well, yeah, Bud's in the office today. You know, if you want to stick around, uh, you know, and whatever. He was busy, and I never I never got that that interaction. But um, he just always seemed so extremely approachable because, you know, I don't think he looked at it like, you know, I'm an NFL coach, which is, you know, one tier down from deity. You know, I mean, it just uh he was humble he uh you know looked at it as a vocation and uh you know i think when you're really really good uh you don't need to act any other way uh than humble you know i mean he just uh very comfortable it's always seemed who he was like you said uh, and I've seen that NFL films where he said, yeah, you know, what would I have gotten, you know, uh, a little bit more money or something, you know, like ah, I've got enough. Everything's fine. Um, you know, in that that 83 uh, season, he talks about, hey, yeah, my kids, you know, I've got one kid going to college yet. Uh, that That's, you know, got everything I need. Uh, it's all taken care of. So um, yeah, I think, you know, the, I the league will never probably be that again. You know, I mean, it's, it's just too big, but uh, I think we all agree that if it was a little bit more Bud Grant, like uh, people would appreciate it, uh, you know, for more than just sort of the spectacle that it is, you know, uh, there's a, there's been a human element that's lost to the game. Cause I know, you know, talking to my uncle, like, you know, he would go to the Albatross and Mankato and, you know, watch them chug pitchers of beer, in, you know, as contest uh, after training camp, you know, I mean, I think we would all like a little bit more of that, uh, you know, so, so Bud certainly represents, you know, now with him passing, it's sort of like a, a bygone era for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're in the world of self-promotion and who's the loudest and everything else, which I, you know, I'm not saying about Kevin O'Connell, because no. I think they actually have a, some very similar philosophies about way the ways to approach players that, you know, would have matched up quite well, but just, just in general, like who can point, you know, the most fingers at themselves and things like that uh, and, and draw the most attention often gets rewarded. That's kind of the way it is, but definitely Bud fit the state of Minnesota. So brilliantly kind of because of his mentality and being from the midwest and everything else i think that worked i wanted to talk of the the make sure we talked about his hall of fame speech though which i'm sure that uh you've run across um even though it is true that he treated it like a job and he wanted to separate family and everything else it was that moment that you really understood what it meant to him and uh I think it's John Michaels was their offensive line coach. And he talked to a local news station that day, again, YouTube, uh, and said, that's the most emotional I've ever seen it. But I, he said, I think that was the real Bud Grant that we just saw. And he talked about his parents and everything else. And I just, I wish I could find the whole speech. I've only been able to find clips. Um, so if you know a place, pass it along, but, uh, it is, it's just beautiful in the way that he talked about it and how emotional he got, which was never what you ever saw from Bud Grant, but kind of that one opportunity to show everyone how much football mattered to him and how much his career and all the players and all the people that helped him there. He got emotional talking about his offensive line coach and everything. I mean, it was just it was just really special. And Sid Hartman was the one that introduced him, and those two had the long, long time relationship going back to the Minneapolis Lakers. I mean, just there's just so much in in that speech from Bud Grant.
1: Yeah, you know, gosh, I I remember kind of getting choked up, you know, seeing that, you know, at one time, and I haven't had a chance yet today to go, you know, research everything I'd want. But, you know, I remember the gist of it was something like, you know, my dad told me, you know, stand up tall, you know, tall enough so they can see you speak louder, you know, but then basically keep it short enough so they don't get sick of you. Or, you know, I don't remember exactly the words that he used, but, that was the gist of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was just such a, a classic sort of old school, uh, you know, mentality. Um, but yeah, his emotion, I mean, none of us had seen Bud Grant respond in that way. I mean, you know, whatever, four Super Bowl losses, and, you know, he looked like the same guy, you know, remarkable wins. Hey, he looked like pretty much the same guy, you know. Um, <clears throat> But uh yeah, that uh that really shows you, you know, like kind of the reward of a, a, a career well lived. Uh, you know, that that he got obviously what he deserved, Hall of Fame, no question about it. Um, but yeah, it meant a lot to him. And I'm sure he was thinking about obviously his parents and you know the dad who gave him that great advice, you know, wishing he could have been there to see his son uh you know receive the the highest honor a person in his pose- you know position could get. Um so yeah, you know, and just with with Bud passing today, you know, I mean, it's made me think about, you know, some of the guys, you know, my grandfather, my father in law, whatever, you know, that, that I've lost that, you know, kind of still that represented sort of that old school sort of thing. So, you know, yeah, there's there's absolutely uh Viking fans of all ages can can relate to Bud Grant. I mean, a a kid who's nine, uh, you know, if he watches that speech or she watches that speech, um, you know, they're going to get it. Uh, You know, they're going to understand what this guy meant uh, to the state of Minnesota.
0: Yeah. The way that he finished off the speech was he said that if his father was still alive, he would have said the kid made it. He finally made it. And it was just such a great... Just and he said it with so much emotion, his voice so great. And uh, just all the people that I've gotten to know in the media, and this includes people who work for the Vikings, sometimes there are younger people who are coming in and they're going to cover the yard sale or something else like that, and they don't know Bud and they've never met him and yet end up forming relationships with him that lasted throughout his lifetime. And I think that's really spoke to his kindness. He let people into his life. And opened himself up to people he didn't know very well. But if it was the Vikings, uh, Vikings.com reporter, Lindsey Young did a great piece uh, about uh, letters that had been sent. To bud grant he gave her those letters that he had and she wrote about them and things like that so he was very open to a lot of people and treated people with you know graciousness and kindness all the way through his life i mean all of these things what a legacy to have not just that you're one of the most successful people ever but also everybody can speak to the experience that they had with bud grants uh, as well i wanted to before we wrap up chad i want to read this quote from again one of the nfl films things it was just so good and you know steve sable and all of his stuff it's just you know this oh, uh incredible but Steve say it's it's amazing and he had to sit down with bud and he said bud is one of my favorite of all time so he put a little extra into this but uh, he read a quote that had influenced Bud Grant, and it was from a Chinese philosopher from 500 B.C., because of course it was right. And uh, I'll, I'll read you the quote and you can react. And that's how we'll we'll finish it. Uh, the quote was a leader is best when people barely know he exists. Not so good when people obey and acclaim him worse when they despise him but a good leader talks little when the work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves." Perfect, just perfect Bud Grant.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, he never drew attention to himself on the sidelines, Um, you know, and I'm not knocking, say, a Mike Ditka, but, you know, he was clearly the coach of the Bears, right? You know, I mean, it was like waving stuff around, whatever. So. yeah, I mean, the, the a good leader, uh, you barely know he's there, uh, and uh, I think you know again to to a player, uh, they would walk away with that sentiment that uh, you know Bud sort of provided the the foundation, the groundwork, whatever you want to say for their success, and you know we did it ourselves. Um, so uh, you know, not a micromanager, obviously. Uh, you just you know, anywhere any of us have ever worked, wouldn't you want a manager, a president, a leader, whatever, coach, you name it, that had those kind of qualities? Uh, and they're obviously rare because um, you know there's there's more flameouts than there are Bud Grants. So uh, it's you know it's a it's a heck of a, a epitaph uh, to have. So um, you know with the you know for my money. the greatest sports
0: figure in Minnesota history. I agree. Yep. I think hands down, and it is a sad day because of his passing, but also an opportunity to celebrate Bud Grant. But I feel like we never missed that opportunity in Minnesota, which is a good thing that no matter what it was, if there was a chance to write more or interview him or celebrate something he did for his legacy, people did that. Uh, Your book, Chad, Kings of the North is great. I have it in the house. If, And if you are watching on YouTube, you see it right behind me. Uh, But I really enjoyed it. I thought you were a great person to get together with, with your incredible knowledge of Minnesota Vikings history. So thanks so much. And, you know, I said in my article that it's rare that you have to send condolences to an entire state when (laughs) someone passed away, not just friends and family, but an entire state. That feels like what it was today is condolences to everyone in Minnesota for losing Bud Grant. But Chad, thanks so much for your time uh, doing this on short notice. I I really, really appreciate it. Great to get together.
1: Absolutely. If you don't mind me saying, uh, if you see over my shoulder, uh, there is a, uh, whoops.
0: (laughs) Wrong shoulder. Yeah,
1: there we go. Right there. Uh, where the the blue thing is on that is actually a light from Met Stadium Uh, when they were tearing it down uh, when I was 15 my mom took me there and I've got bricks and stuff and you know I just wanted to point that out because you know uh, those early Viking teams meant so much to me Uh, and Bud Grant uh, as a coach you know I mean he was you know one of my heroes as a kid so uh, yeah I just you know just wanted to point that
0: out. So. Yeah, again, I mean, your your passion for Vikings history is exactly why I thought <laughs> well, of you when when this happened of someone to talk with. So thanks so much again. Thank you for having and thank, me. And thanks everybody for listening to our tribute to Bud Grant.